Welcome to Practice Life, the podcast devoted to the important non-clinical issues affecting the daily practice of equine veterinary medicine. Practice Life is brought to you by the American Association of Equine Practitioners. And I'm Mike Pannell, a practice owner and veterinarian, and a longtime EAP member and your host. Beringer Ingelheim Equine Health understands the incredible relationship that exists between horses and humans. And when it comes to managing the horse's health, there are actually two patients, the horse and the owner. That's why we create science that helps strengthen and prolong that bond. To learn more about Beringer Ingelheim's approach to equine treatments and solutions, visit bi-animalhealth.com equine. Hi, I'm Mike Pannell, and welcome to another episode of the AAP Practice Life Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Beringer Engelheim. This episode, I am joined by three amazing guests that I'm really excited to introduce, and we're going to be talking about internships, the value of internships. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion online, a lot of people questioning internships, and I thought, let's just sort of talk about three people that have three unique internships and share their experiences. I'm going to start off with closer to where I live, Dr. Laura Javsikas from Rhinebeck Equine. Welcome, Laura. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. And literally just up the road from her is Dr. Kelsey Grant from the Equine Clinic at Oakencroft. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mike. Thank you. And our our friend, everybody the AEP knows, Dr. Monty McIntyre of uh, Tennessee Equine. Welcome, Monty. Hey, great to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me, Mike. So let's start talking about your practices internship. And Kelsey, let's start with you because I think trying to have a good representation, describe your internship at, at the Equine Clinic at Oakencroft. Sure. So we are a nine doctor ambulatory practice in New York, and we see some limited hospital cases we can take in, but for the most part, we refer. Right now, we have two interns each year. And they do live on site and they are part of basically just an integral part of our team. They definitely participate in our emergency coverage, seeing regular cases at some point during their internship as well, and progressing through the year into their independence, you know, since they're ready to go out on their own at the end. We have developed a a kind of mentorship programs, trying to make the internship a little bit more structured while they're here. So I run that and each week I sit down with the interns and have a designated time to talk about anything that's going on in their lives or in the practice cases that they've seen, anything like that. Um, we can go over topics and specific things and then just trying again to, to keep the program a little bit more organized than maybe it has been in previous years. So helping the interns really feel like they're progressing along in the year that they're with us. But again, like I said, it is an, an ambulatory internship. So they are out on the road a lot with all the doctors and on their own. Excellent. I just want to take a little sidestep on this. One of the reasons why I wanted to make sure Monty was on this, this discussion is that he and I hosted a table topic at an AAP. Do you know when that was, Monty, or where it was? But I just remember the insights that you had about your internship were something that I was like, this is interesting information. So I, want, I, I haven't <laughs> forgotten about it. So I wanted to make sure we had Monty on board. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I mean, internships have evolved so much. I mean, I, I was interned 30-something years ago. So the internship that I had and the internship today, they're, they're totally different. And 
and it's a good thing, right? We're all evolving, and and our our program has evolved a tremendous amount. And we pre COVID, we were having five interns, and and we had a rotating internship where we, you would do a week on medicine, a week on surgery, uh, a week on outpatient reproduction, a week on ambulatory, and the fifth week we would ha- give you a satellite rotation where we send you one of our satellite hospitals. We have four hospitals here at Tennessee Equine Hospital, so we were all over the place, and and uh, it was really dynamic, and sometimes you were really busy, and sometimes you weren't as busy. That was an opportunity for you to catch up on your sleep, and uh, that was our program. COVID hit, and things changed. I mean, things changed a lot. We had to uh, go into uh, groups, and we had to uh, kind of diversify what we are doing. Presently, we have uh, a program that's definitely pivoted. We don't even call ours an internship anymore. We, we call it a mentor to associate program where you start off in a mentorship and you work at the hospital to learn how to get your hands right, how to communicate, how to deal with stuff, how to be safe. Then we put you in a truck and we teach you the, the things in the field. And when you're ready, we make you a full associate. So what does that mean? That means you start off at one pay level and you jump to another pay level before your year even ends. Uh, where prior, we didn't even consider that. It was a full year at the internship level. We provided housing. We provided everything you needed except for food. Now we pivoted because we've got a lot of folks coming that are like, hey, uh, I'm being told I don't need an internship. And, you know, I I don't need the things that you used to do. I, I need something different. So we're like, well, what do you need? And they're like, well, I need more opportunity for growth. I'm like, what kind of growth do you need? And they talk about work growth. They talk about money growth. They talk about work-life balance growth. So we're trying to kind of mold uh, to the to the candidates because we we do need young doctors. For right? sure, yeah. So we're pivoting, yeah. So just a quick uh, question, Monty, as you're listening to it. So you're transitioning to an associate. When this mentor to associate program is over, do they leave your practice or do they stay on as associates? We actually try to get them to stay. Okay. But 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 they're not required to. Right. It's a one-year program. You're required to commit to a year to get in the program. And so I want to say this real quick, Mike. I want to say this. I thought about this a lot. When I got out of school, I was told, go somewhere, get your hands right, and make the people happy. Make your boss happy. Make the horse customers happy. Make people happy. This is a service industry. It's turned. It's not go make people happy. It's, hey, make yourself happy. Make sure you have the finances you need, the time off you need. Make sure you're happy. And it's pivoted. I I believe somewhere in the middle is the right answer. We need to be happy. Horse owners need to be happy. Students need to be happy as they're transitioning in, and we need to meet in the middle so everybody's happy. And so that's what we're trying to do with our program. Start off with, let me teach you how to make people happy. And then when you learn that, we'll spin it, and you make yourself happy with more money and more time. Great. And, and Laura, yourself, tell us about the uh, internship at Rhinebeck Equine. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, uh, ambulatory and referral specialty hospital and we have a rotating internship, more like what Monty was describing. Their program was like a pre COVID. We have 11 full time doctors. Six of those are ambulatory doctors. 
And then we have five specialists, two surgeons, two internists, and a reproductive specialist, as well as an ophthalmologist who comes to us once a month. And so our interns, we currently have five, are rotate on two-week rotations with surgery, medicine, ambulatory. And then when we move to having a fifth intern from four, we now have a split rotation. So they do reproduction in the spring and early summer and sports medicine in the uh, summer and fall. You know, they all live at the clinic. It's really structured to give them an intense year of, of learning, like Monty said, get their hands right. But then also we really try to make sure they learn some of the softer skills, talking to clients, uh, communicating with their coworkers, technicians. And then we mentor them and try to provide as much support as we can to get them where they want to go next, whether that's to a residency program or a job in private practice. And we are about split between intern grads that go on to a residency program versus going into into private practice. Excellent. So I guess the question we need to answer, because as I said, some of the discussion that's going on online is... Why are internships valuable? So, Kelsey, from your point of view and the, the Equine Clinic at Oakencroft internship, why are they so valuable? I did my internship at Oakencroft and then ended up staying on. So I think I have a kind of good perspective, at least within our clinic, that the internship gave me the chance to learn so much in a time that it's stressful for a lot of reasons, but a lot of those reasons don't you kind of put on yourself. So at least during the internship, you're not beholden to make some type of production. You're not required to build, you know, your own clientele to to bring in, you know, a certain amount of income or something like that. What you're required to do really is is learn and contribute to the teamwork and, and what the practice is trying to build. So I think that is hard in and of itself, but some of the stresses that you would take on skipping an internship I think could be great and really interfere with that chance to, to just learn. And like everybody was saying, get your hands right and learn how to communicate and interact with your coworkers. I find for a lot of the interns coming in right now, this is their first job. If you didn't take time off after undergrad or, you know, however you made it through school, you may have been so focused on meeting all the requirements to get into school then you never actually had a real job, like the contract, paid taxes, <laughs> done all these things. So, you know, the internship is really that chance to start feeling that out. How do you respond and communicate with a boss? How do you direct texts and assistance and stumble over yourself a couple times and get forgiven? You know, at the time when I was going through the internship, I certainly didn't know I was going to stay at Oakencroft. And I had this mentality of like, oh, I'll make all my mistakes and then I'll move on. <laughs> and then I ended up staying. So, so that was a little intimidating from a different perspective. But I think there is that sense of, hey, you can be in a hopefully safe and sort of environment with doctors that are always going to have your back and look out for you. And if you're going to make mistakes, you know, hopefully they're communication ones or something like that. And they can help you get through those hurdles so that when you move on, you feel ready to go. So I think that internship just really sets you up for a, an exponential progression in, in your career right at the beginning. Okay, thanks. How about yourself, Laura? Why are internships valuable to you? Why do you think they're valuable to a student? Yeah, Kelsey did a great job summarizing. Uh, but I think you just, you, when students are in school, there's so much focus on the 
knowledge of veterinary medicine and really so little discussion about anything else. And I think that schools are, are trying to improve that as well. But when our interns start with us, they still have this student mentality of, you know, each case is black and white and you have to figure out what the right answer is. And they're just totally unaccustomed to dealing with all of the things that go along with the veterinary medicine, which is honestly usually the easy part. So talking to clients, talking to clients while they're working on the horse, talking to clients about money, having any idea what anything costs. And as Kelsey said, I think a huge part of it is that it may be their first job and you really have to learn how to be a good colleague and a good coworker and how to be successful in, in a work environment. I also think it just can expose you to such a great network of people. I still rely on my uh, mentors for my internship. I mean, they, they got me to my residency and I still talk to them about cases, but also business. And it's just a long resource. I keep in touch with all our former interns. They've, you know, sort of formed their own network. We have little intern reunions and I probably talk to, you know, three interns, former interns a week about cases and they can always, you know, reach out to me and have a huge support network. Again, for those life questions, not just the, the internal medicine cases and, and questions in my case, you know, having babies, you know, how do you do this? How do you own a business? All, all those things. They have their own kind of smaller network to rely on. And I think it's just completely invaluable experience that really just can't, I, I don't know how you can replace that except in very, very unique work position. Andy, what would you like to add to this discussion? Yeah, I, I would just like to say that a great veterinarian is very technical. And it seems like there's stigma that technical work is not veterinary work and, and not doctor work. And it's just no truth to it. I mean, the really good veterinarians are very technical. They're great with catheters. They're great with equipment. They're great with all the things technical people do. A lot of students that come out are super smart. They teach me stuff all the time, but just watching them handle a nasogastric tube or watching them handle a vena puncture or watching them place a catheter or watching them do some things that are technical things that now I could just have a technician do for me, but I actually need to be able to do that well myself. Uh, we had a foal come in last night, a little miniature foal, like 20 pounds, and the technician was working with it and the intern was working with it and they were struggling a little bit. I walked up and put a catheter in this foal so fast, I don't even see great anymore, right? And they're like, wow, how'd you do that? I'm like, my hands are right. And it's that technical skill that you learn when you get out of school, when you do it all day, every day, you get good at it. Yeah. And that's as important as the knowledge that you have. So that's the part I really wish the next generation would say, hey, look, let me learn how to serve because those technical skills are going to make you great veterinarians. I mean, they really are. That's a great point. And I think that's a great segue to my next question. And, and Kelsey, I'll go back up to you. Is like, there are a lot of misperceptions going on about internships and what are some of them and what needs to be corrected in this discussion? I think one of the ones that I run into maybe the most often that I hear is that an internship, you get treated as cheap labor. And certainly it, it should not be that way. 
kind of like what Monia was saying that if, if you're there and you are excited and you want to learn, people want to teach you. We've had interns that it is like pulling teeth to get them to want to be a part of a case or go out on the road for something. And, you know, at some point, it's like, I don't have time for that. If you want to learn something and you want to come, like, let's go. So I think there's got to be a balance of, I don't want to treat anyone like cheap labor. Certainly. And I don't like, I just, I want to be able to teach you things. And if it's going to be interpreted as doing something simple, like Monty was saying, placing a catheter. Okay. To some people that might seem really simple and quote unquote beneath you, maybe. Well, okay. Show me that you can do it and that you're comfortable and that you can fulfill all the steps. I'm not setting out to test you or do anything, but I want to make sure that you can do this, do this on your own so that I can release you to managing all these cases on your own when they come in. Or like he said, passing a nasogastric tube. When I graduated school, I had passed two nasogastric tubes and given both horses raging bloody noses. So when I came to my internship, I was not feeling very confident. And, you know, and I struggled. And none of the doctors made me feel inept at all. It was just, hey, she needs help with this. Let's set it up. How are we going to do this? And, you know, I, I got tons of experience after that. So Anyways, getting back to just one of the misconceptions being that you're treated like cheap labor. I don't think that's the case. I think it's just we need to make sure that the basics are there before we start working our way up. And then it's, hey, let's be excited about what we're learning so that the people around you feel like the knowledge they're passing on is appreciated and that it's going to get used and and stored away. I think those are really important things. How about yourself, Laura? What do you think are some of the misperceptions about internships? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest one is the overworked, underpaid. Uh, And I really like the way Monty put it. And I think to me, you know, I honestly sort of see the whole internship as the, that's the time you learn how to make people happy and learn how to be proficient with all those technical skills and learn what you're kind of looking for in in a real job, so to speak. And then go out and get that job and focus on what your work-life balance is and, you know, all the other things. I mean, we certainly strive to have an internship that provides adequate time off and people aren't sleep deprived, but we do expect them to work hard. And part of that is having that volume and repetition in doing those skills and uh, assessing cases, which makes them really phenomenal doctors when they're, when they're done. I mean, our internship is tremendously hands-on from day one. But they have oversight. You know, we don't expect them to come in with phenomenal technical skills. We're more than happy to teach them. You know, it's pretty standard and particularly after COVID. I mean, I have my interns this year. All, we were going to do a necropsy and my intern looked at me and said, I didn't have the pathology rotation. <laughs> so it's, it's a unique challenge right now. But even so, it's pretty normal that passing tubes and doing rectal exams is very, very unfamiliar. And when they work up 50 colics in a row, they're whizzes at it by, you know, by the end without even thinking about it. So I think that to me, an internship, it is a defined period of time. You should anticipate that you will work hard. You should not anticipate that you will be slave labor. And you really need to ask questions of the, you know, current and past interns of places you're looking at as to what the program is really like. You know, one of the reasons we added another intern was to try to give people more more time off because our caseload has been growing. But I think that 
if you spend that time at the beginning with the high volume repetition and with the presence of mentors, you know, whether it's in a hospital setting or on the road, our interns always have someone with them, someone they can call and someone that can come and help them if they need help you know, in the ambulatory setting. For us with the hospital, you know, we always have a specialist to use every single emergency. Uh, the interns generally do 99.9% of the hands-on things with that case. And we're helping them and observing, but we, we really try to find that balance between them finding their independence, but yet having the support that they need. And I, I just don't know how you can replace that. So it's almost like the veterinary version of the... Uh... Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. I mean, you can only get good if you repeat doing the same thing over and over and over. There's a lot of value to that. And Monty, what are some of the misperceptions you hear about internships? Yeah, I love that book, by the way, The the Outliers. That's great. Yeah, Yeah, I encourage everybody to read The Outliers. It's an awesome book. The 10,000 hour rule is so true. The 10,000 hour rule at 40 hours a week, guess what? That's five years. Yeah. It takes you five years to get proficient at 40 hours a week. So if you want to get proficient quicker, you just work more hours, right? Which is not something people like to talk about. I I think the misperception uh, for us is that I'm not going to get to be a doctor. I'm I'm just going to be an underling. And I'm not really a doctor if I do an internship. And that's so not true. We're trying to do a better job of not using the word intern because when you walk up to a customer and go, hey, this is my intern, you've kind of just said, this is my assistant, right? And and so we're trying to say, hey, this is Dr. Joy or Dr. Katiana. We have a girl named with our cat, Dr. Cat. We're not even using the word intern anymore only because of that mindset has got people's brain messed up. Mm-hmm. And actually, my generation... I wanted to be Dr. Murray's intern. I wanted everybody to know that I was his guy. But now it's not like that. It's it's more about, hey, I'm on the same level as this person. I just don't have the same experience. Well, that bothers me, but I think we need to pivot and and make folks aware of it. So the misconception that you're not a doctor is, is wrong. You're a doctor. And you get to help analyze and, and prescribe and handle these cases. The thing that we say a lot at our hospital is we're not a teaching hospital. That's what you do at universities. We're a hospital that teaches. And so when someone comes to the hospital, they're here to see Dr. Monty or one of our specialists, and they want us to lead the conversation. But we want our doctors, our younger doctors, to interact in the conversation, but yet not overpower the conversation. So I guess my misconception is the that you are a doctor with us and, and you're going to be treated as one. You're going to be a doctor that gets to do all kinds of cool stuff that would take you two or three years to do on your own. Maybe never. If you work with us, you're going to have such a caseload. You're going to be doing stuff, you know, like Laura and, and Kelsey are saying, you're going to be doing stuff like every day that may take you months to be able to have an opportunity to do injecting joints and doing things. So I think that if young folks realize that, Hey, look, I can learn from really great mature doctors and be a doctor. 
and leave the money aside just a little bit. In our program, you don't have to worry about anything but eating. That's it. You got to buy your own food. We care about everything else for a year and give you tons of opportunity. Uh, that's it. So, no, that's great. I'm going to ask all three of you, and I'll start with you, Monty. So, should anybody ever skip an internship? If somebody wants to go into equine practice, what are the situations where somebody says, I don't need an internship? You know, if someone's skill set is so good that they can walk into their own situation, I, I applaud them. But uh, there's very few folks that have the skills, the true skills of managing customers, managing patients at the level that that people want to pay for and not beat you up. Because I get beat up and I'm an old guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the industry beats you up and you need to be prepared for that. But I'm happy. I'm okay. Right. That would be what I would say to that. How about yourself, Laura? Yeah. I agree. Never is the right answer, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think while there's certainly a lack of standardization or rigorous evaluations of internship programs, I think that going to work as an associate is, an, is even more of an unknown. And that would make me extraordinarily nervous if I were in that situation. I think that if, if you are lucky enough to be in a situation where there's a a practitioner that you have a long-term relationship with and you know and trust that they are willing to provide mentorship for you, that would be a circumstance where I would I would certainly applaud someone for finding that opportunity. And I think there are starting to be more resources and support for people in similar situations like that. But I think it's just so valuable, you know, for our interns to come to us first as students and be able to talk to people that have gone through the program and make sure it's a good, a good mutual fit. You know, quite honestly, a two week externship is a lot more of an interview than many people spend for a job. So I think it's, it's a big decision. And if you get stuck in an associate position where you're unhappy and not getting the mentoring that you need, that situation just terrifies me. Yeah. How about yourself, Kelsey? Are there any circumstances where somebody can say, you know what, I don't need an internship? Yeah, uh, I can't think of many. <laughs> and one, you know, one would be like, like Laura said, if someone already has a standing relationship, you know, they've spent a lot of time with a practice while they even before school, while they were in school, and they have a trustworthy agreement that there will be a level of mentorship when they get out. I mean, that sounds great. I think that that's a pretty rare situation. Touching, if you don't mind me touching back yeah. on a few other points sure. for just a second. One of them was Monty was saying that they don't call their interns interns or, you know, trying not to move away from the word intern. And I think that's super important. We also never introduce our interns as interns <laughs> to people. They are Dr. So and so. And our clients are well trained that they know we have interns. We have educated them on what they are and why they're here. So they don't think that we just have like associate turnover every year. <laughs> it's that our interns graduate and go on to bigger and better things. But I think what I appreciate for Monty too is that it takes a conscientious owner or associate veterinarians to realize that there's a kind of stigma with the term intern for some clients. And so to take that step and be aware enough to say and make that move that, you know, this is a doctor and they're here to work with us. So I think... Being able to identify when you visit practices because you need to visit practices 
you know, paying attention to those things, how they introduce their techs, how they introduce their interns, things like that, and how conscientious they are about small things. Mani had also mentioned that the engine beats you up, which I think, you know, can be true, but he also says he's happy. And I would probably guess it's because he has a good team. So that's another thing is like, if you're out on your own and you skip internship and you don't end up with the level of mentor that you want, you're not going to have that support system to get you through those tough days of learning how to communicate. Like, again, your medicine might be great and kudos to you, but having to talk about money and managing a day's worth of cases and things like that is really, really hard to learn. And I think that's the part that's going to beat you up even more so than not treating the colic correctly or something like that. And that's where building those relationships during an internship are, are pretty irreplaceable. The last point, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is wonderful. <laughs> the last point that Laura brought up was the lack of standardization of internships. And I agree, that's like a huge issue. And I think that goes back to two, the misconceptions about internships is like you're going to go and just get abused or something like that. And I think that's why it's really important to go visit places. And also, they should let you talk to the current interns or previous interns and get get their perspective on their experience. I think, you know, I'm certainly try and be honest about my experience to anyone that comes. I think it's interesting that my husband lived with me during my internship. And if you ask him, I was miserable. But looking back on it now, I only remember good things. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really know how that goes. Like day to day, it is hard. Don't get me wrong. But looking back on it, I, yeah, I would have done it completely all over again. I did have a great time (laughs) day to day. I don't know. But overall, I had a great time. So just a couple of things. That's wonderful. Laura, uh, something that you said was just a great lead into my next question is you said like two week externship is more of a job interview than anything else. And so, and I'll ask the question to all of you, but Laura, we'll start with you. What does your practice look for in a prospective intern? What are the characteristics of that? You know, you're probably seeing them as a third, if not really fourth year student. What makes them an intern that you're attracted to? Yeah, I think Kelsey actually described it great previously when she was talking about, you know, I I want somebody who is enthusiastic about learning and wants to participate in things. And and I think slightly off topic, but I think that the interns sometimes, and I did this when I was an intern, there's sometimes they undervalue the things that aren't quite as sexy and fun. And you don't realize until you're done how much you learn from watching somebody and helping somebody do Coggins on 40 horses in an hour and keep all the paperwork organized and, and things like that. You know, it's, there's so many other, other pieces of it. And so I really encourage our interns to, you know, to participate in everything. And it's a great way to also just help them figure out what they want to do and what they don't want to do in the future. But going back to your question, it's really that it's that enthusiasm about wanting to be there, wanting to be involved, being able to be flexible because it is, you know, everything is sort of an ever changing world. Um, We have a very high emergency caseload. And so there's only so much planning of the day that can, that can happen. Um, And so, you know, being willing to just jump in where where help is needed and knowing that you'll still learn something from that even if it's not what you thought you were going to do that morning for me i think humility is a huge huge (laughs) important factor and i'm not so focused on what they know coming in but i want them to be able to tell me that 
they have a concern about a patient, even if they can't really pinpoint what it is, but to be able to tell me that they're, they have a concern and to let me know when they are not comfortable doing something. That goes so far. Some interns need, need to be pushed because they are lacking in confidence and are very capable of doing things um, that they don't think they are. I think that's more often than the case than the other side of the coin where they're overly confident. But I think just being able to have an open conversation of, about, uh, you know, when they should call me and being able to rely on them to call me if there's something wrong with the patient, it goes a very, very long way. And then, of course, probably the biggest one is just being a good team player with their intern mates, with the technicians, uh, with all the doctors in the practice. I mean, we have a multi-generational practice from a doctor standpoint and a lot of strong personalities and, you know, everyone does things differently. And I think that that's a huge positive, um, but it can also, of course, be a challenge because we certainly, there is not one way to do something in our practice. So I think some people's personalities can handle that uh, better, better than others. And, you know, ultimately what I tell all of them is we want people that really feel like it's the right place for them when they come and visit and really want to be there. I never want to have to talk somebody into wanting to come spend a year with us. I want them to be excited. So Monte, about yourself, I mean, you probably have, like uh, Laura does at Rhinebeck, it's like you probably got a lot of extras coming for your hospital. We do. How are you choosing your interns out of that group of externs? Yeah, so we have a lot of externs, and and uh, now that COVID's cut back, uh, I'm thankful that externs are back because we they're they're a lot of fun. We've got two great ones here now, but what we look for, Mike, is something uh, two characteristics that we look for in our young vets uh, that interns per se. We look for two characteristics that you can't teach. We look for nice people with great work ethic. The extern that comes and says, oh, there's going to be two o'clock treatments. I'll meet you down here. Oh, hey, I'm going to make cookies for the group today because you guys are awesome. We look for nice people that work hard because you can't teach that. Mm -hmm. You can be super smart, top of your class, valedictorian, and you, you deal with those people it is hard to meet their expectations if they're not nice and they don't have great work ethic. They usually do. So the characteristics, it's the same characteristics for all our employees is nice, hard workers. And that seems silly, but those that's what your mom taught you, to be nice. Mm -hmm. And yourself, Kelsey, I mean, again, you've got to, I know you, your practice gets a lot of externs. So how do you choose your interns out of that group of people? Yeah, so similar is the biggest thing. The biggest thing is definitely just personality and how you mesh with everybody. Like everybody was saying, you can be super smart and that's great. But if you can't translate that into, you know, quality conversation and being a person that someone wants to be around, it's not going to work out. So definitely personality, you know, how you treat. We don't want to see you treating the doctors different than you treat the office staff. Like that's not okay. <laughs> everybody gets treated the same. We're all part of the same team. Like Moni said, you know, if there's going to be a treatment at two in the morning, cool, come on down and we'll all have fun. If I'm going to call you because there's an emergency, you better have your phone on and be ready to go. If something's happening, the answer should pretty much always be yes. Do you want to do this? Yes. <laughs> do you want to come with me? Yes. 
there should just always be excitement about about what's going on. Um, so those would be the biggest things that we look for. Laura also mentioned flexibility, which I think really did get highlighted even with COVID. <laughs> just being able to go with the flow. And our interns this year have been amazing. We are building a new facility. And halfway through their internship, they had to move. <laughs> and they have been such good sports about it. So to think that you are only going to live somewhere for a year and then just kidding, you're actually going to move halfway. I mean, they've just, they've been so great. So flexibility in terms of your day, but flexibility just in terms of expectations and things like that is always great. And being able to ask for help. Yes. Knowing when to ask for help, knowing when to ask questions. That's a good one. Like if you're riding with someone or you're at a case, like maybe not in front of the client, do you say, why are you doing that? Let's wait until we're in the car. (laughs) So just some kind of awareness about thing that still goes back to personality. So no one's going to ask you like, at least no one here is going to ask you what you've got a grade in in some rotation or like what your class rank was. We don't care. Could care less. (laughs) Pass the navly and come on over. (laughs) Fair enough. So, uh, you know, you've got enthusiastic, nice people with the work ethic that you all want to be around. So the year's up. Laura, let's start with you. What? do you want your internships to know when they're done? Like, what can they then do? Like, you know, you just said about half of your interns go off into residency programs, half go into private practice, but what are you hoping they're able to do at the end of their internship? It's a broad question. Um, You know, I think I want them to be able to know where to find the answers for things. Not to have all the answers, but where they can go and who they can ask for the answers. And then also... Obviously, technical skills, I think they get that. They do a ton. But being able to know that if they need to work on something, they can still do that. You know, they don't have to. uh, It's right about this time of year when they all start to panic because they realize that they're going to be leaving in a few months. And they come to me and say, I still don't know how to do X, Y, Z. It's okay. Yeah, you know, and so I think having... And knowing where to find resources, whether it's to learn a new technical skill or who to ask about whether they should open their own practice or what job they should take, you know, all, all those all those sorts of things. And then, you know, a lot of the things we've already talked about, but just having a sense of how to work with other people. And I want them to to have figured out what it is they want in a job, both from a veterinary standpoint and from a, you know, type of type of practice. It may not be like our practice at all, which is fine. But I, you know, I, I want them to be exposed to a, a wide range of experiences. Right. How about yourself, Monty? What do you want your interns to know at the end of this year? Yeah, I still want them to be equine practitioners when they leave. I mean, uh, I really, really warm. And we, we started our first interns probably in 2005, I would say. And I, I don't know exact, the exact number, but I would say 75% of them are still equine practitioners at some level, which is exciting. You don't hear that a lot. So when they leave, I, I want them to, to still cling to, to what I love, right? Of course. So I don't know that they all will, but we want them to be so comfortable with dealing with customers and serving the horse that they they're still doing that. And we, we have some go to residencies and some open their own practice and, and some stay with us and some go into mixed practices and, but all of them are still connected with the horse. And 
one thing that we do, and I hope everybody else does this as well, is is we pay their dues to the AAP, and we we want them to remain members and mentor others. So it's 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 needed in our profession terribly. Elsie, last word is yours. Your interns, what would you want them to be at at the end of the year? In a couple of months from now, I guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I I think these guys have touched on it. You know, for the most part, is I yeah, I want them to stay in equine for sure. I want them to stay in equine. I want them to be happy. I want them to love the profession. And you know, I think I want to give them the tools. You know, hopefully we've built that passion up here. Hopefully they came to Ovencroft because they loved it and now they love it even more. I want to give them the tools to be able to find a practice that is going to just help continue to build that for them. So, you know, let alone negotiating money and whatever, I want them to know their value in terms of if you are a good communicator, if you do have good technical skills, if you know how to keep yourself happy and healthy, those are amazing skills. The practice is going to be absolutely lucky to have. So I think we get bogged down in the pay and things like that. But if you have those other skills, your value is just astronomical and you're going to be able to stay in this profession, no problem. So go out there and find a practice that is going to appreciate that. And that's where I want to give them the tools and the skills to identify those practices that are going to take care of them because they're going to go and take care of their clients and patients in amazing ways. Well said. I'd like to thank you all for a great podcast. This was so insightful. Uh, all of you just got some new insights into here that I know that many, whether it's other practice owners, associates, uh, new interns, want to be interns, uh, vet students are going to gain a lot out of this. I know I'm, our practice is putting together an internship program and I'm going to be listening to this again and because there are some great tips. Uh, so thank you all. And also thank you to. Beringer Engelheim for supporting this podcast. It's really nice to know that as our profession looks to the future, has to pivot, as we've been talking a lot about this evening, uh, that we have partners like Beringer Engelheim to uh, work with us and to uh, move with us forward. So thank you all. For more resources to help you in daily practice, please visit the AAP's website at aaep.org. Beringer Ingelheim Equine Health understands the incredible relationship that exists between horses and humans. And when it comes to managing the horse's health, there are actually two patients, the horse and the owner. That's why we create science that helps strengthen and prolong that bond. To learn more about Beringer Ingelheim's approach to equine treatments and solutions, visit bi-animalhealth.com equine.